For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This pod is brought to you by Brand MN, a Minnesota company making awesome shirts and more for Minnesotans. Odds are, if you're listening to this podcast, which you are, they've got something you'll love. Personally, I like the Howl at the Moon hoodie and crew neck. Very simple. It's black and white with a little bit of green. It's awesome. Definitely go check it out on their website. They also have stuff for other teams, not just the Timberwolves. So, go to BrandMN.com and use the code AWAW for 15% off your order. Your closet will thank you. Welcome to the Awoke Among Wolves podcast. I am your host, as always, Brendan Hedke. You can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hedke NBA. You can find the show on Twitter at AWAW underscore podcast. And you can find the Wolf Among Wolves blog at AWAW blog. And I'm joined today with um, a good friend, Jack Borman. Want to introduce yourself, Jack? Tell them where they can find you at. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is jrborman13. That's J-R-B-O-R-M-A-N-13. Uh, and you can find my work over at, at Dunking with Wolves, uh, dunkingwithwolves.com. Awesome. Yeah, so Jack's joining the show today, and we're going to actually talk about two Minnesota point guards that are going to be going in this year's uh, NBA draft whenever the draft does happen. And those two players are Trey Jones and Tyrell Terry. And I believe Jack knows Tyrell pretty well because they did go to high school together is that correct yep yep trey and i both went to de la salle high school in downtown minneapolis or or ty excuse me (laughs) yeah so that'll that'll be cool to get your thoughts on him too because you know him as a person probably better than any other wolves writer would possibly know him so that'll be cool to talk about that but we'll talk about the two of them and how they will fit on the team first person we are going to talk about is trey jones um, so I'm just going to go over his stats a little bit. Trey Jones went to Duke, as we all know, and he played two seasons. Freshman year, averaged about 9.5 points, 5.3 assists, 3.8 rebounds, and he shot only 26% from three. And then sophomore year, he upped his numbers to 16.2 points, 6.5 assists, over four rebounds, and shot 36% from three. So he really, I think, deciding to go back to school was probably the best choice for him in that situation but what are your just quick thoughts about Trey Jones as a basketball player in general yeah you know I think that it was absolutely the right decision for Trey to go back to school um but also just knowing Trey and and being able to be around him a little bit um you know the dude's a gamer he loves to win and um and you know there was just palpable excitement from him even in high school about being able to go to Duke um and I think that he he just really wasn't able to, or wasn't wanting to give that up, and, uh, and, and you know, I, we all know how much you know Coach K loves loves Trey and how much Trey loves K, and and I just really think that he he really wanted to go back and, and be able to win one win one for K, not not even to say hey hey look here big bro you know I got one too, right. but um, but you know I, I I really think that that he just wanted to win more than anything else, uh, He's definitely rather a- than. Yeah, he's rather definitely than trying up his draft stock. 
Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Ooh, you saw that this year, man. Ooh. I mean, he would. I think he would have been taken last year in the second round if he decided to enter the draft, probably, or he would have signed as an undrafted free agent and found himself somewhere in the league. I mean, you saw how Tyus plays in the NBA. He's not a starting caliber point guard, but he definitely has a little bit of, or he definitely has like a solidified role in the league. And I think Trey might actually end up being a better player than that. But from my experience watching Trey, I watched him a few times state tournament. I'd go to the state tournament when I was in high school. Trey's just a year younger than I am. And uh, I remember the, I don't remember if it was the state championship or if it was the round before that, but it was basically like Trey and Daniel Oturu going head to head. And so it was Apple Valley, Creed and Durham Hall. And Trey is one of the most fiery competitors I have ever watched in person. His... I think that game really, they ended up losing. I think that game meant a lot to him and then having them lose their senior season in the state tournament, I think kind of put a chip on his shoulder. So I think he's kind of built off that as his career at Duke went on and everything like that. So yeah, he is, he's a gamer. What is, um, you got anything else to say about him quick before we really talk about strengths? And yeah, yeah, you know, that, that little tip-in shot that, that Ryan Larson had to, to sink Apple Valley in the championship game in, in 2018 was, yeah. you know, it, it you could tell it just ripped his heart out. Um, and, and I remember 2017, so Trey's junior year and our senior year, um, you know, being able to watch him up close and personal at the state tournament because – uh, D. LaSalle was, was obviously there and we won that year as well. Um, so, so just being able to see him play live and in person, he, I think he had a triple double in every single, in all three of those games en route to winning a state tournament. And he carried a crazy load by himself that, that junior year of his, uh, cause Gary, uh, cause Gary, Gary Trent Jr. had left before yep, that season to, to go prolific. play a prolific prep yep. out in Napa. And and so it was really just him. It was and him and Cam Kirksey who goes to Minnesota State Mankato. Mankato, like those were yeah, the that's two right. Guys. So right, yeah. and and Brock had Brock had gone on, I think, because uh, Brock was yep. a year older than, than us. And yep, he he went out to Buffalo, and and Trey, I think he had a thirty point triple double in the state championship game. Yep, I was there against, for that too. Or no, 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 no. I th- I have it right here. Twenty four, a career high eighteen boards and five assists, going head to head against McKinley Wright, who uh, who also declared for the draft this year, yeah. who was a starting point guard for Colorado out in, yeah. the, out in the Pac-12, who, that was, who a was, big, a, that was a, a big really good player. That was a big miss for the Gophers when, uh, when McKinley chose to go away from us, and we took Isaiah Washington instead, and everybody knows how that ended up. So Yeah, and it was even more tough because uh, McKinley was supposed to go to Dayton and play for Archie and Miller. And he decommitted. Because Archie Miller took the job at Indiana, and then that yep. let let with you know Tad Boyle reached out to to Ken and, and said, "Hey, come play Colorado," and he said, "All right." And I mean, it's just been it's been abysmal. You had two, and and Ty was a guy who the Gophers had no excuse to to not be in on yeah. too, because um, there's there's no high school in America that's closer to uh, that's closer to the U of M than De La Salle, and, and Coach P was at Coach P was at a good number of the games that we had, yeah. um, you know, our senior year. And, and I don't know, I don't know. I, that, that's a subject for a different time, but it's yep, unfortunate definitely. that, that the Gophers haven't been able to get, haven't been able to get more guys, um, you know, from, from Minnesota. I, that I thought it was turning around out. when we got Oturu, we got Kalsher, we got Omersa, but then the next year, everything kind of went back downhill. So yeah, but that is definitely for another time. So what's your biggest overall strength of trace like what do you think will be his nba what's gonna make teams want to draft him so my thing with trey is like you were talking about earlier just his competitiveness and and you really see that come out on the defensive end of the floor uh he's an he's an excellent point of attack defender uh you know even for the college game but also for the pro game as well i think that translates right away just because He's got really quick hips. He can he can flip his hips without giving up a whole lot of ground. I think a lot of times when you have point guards that aren't quite as, as laterally agile, they have a tougher time turning their hips. And when they have to turn their hips, they really have to drop their feet back and and give up a lot of ground to you know to opposing you know guards or ball handlers. And and Trey doesn't have to do that. He slides his feet seamlessly and and doesn't give up any any space when he, when he has to you know flip his hips, which is which is really really advanced for 
you know, a guy that's Trey's age. And I, I, I obviously think that it, it's the defense and, and competitiveness that, that'll carry for Trey. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was in, he's in the 91st percentile uh, college-wide, just as an overall defender per synergy. And, and you know, in the pick and roll, de- defending ball handlers, he's in the 74th percentile on 172 possessions, which is by far the, the highest volume um, or highest number of possessions he defended any type of action in and then on spot ups too you know the next highest at 51 possessions 92nd percentile and the spot up is you know a a lot of the times is going to be what you see a lot at the nba level especially if you if you're running and chasing and and able to to close out the right way and keep guys down on the floor and and force contested jumpers which which trey is also just terrific at doing so it's really those two things it's it's the competitive competitiveness and the the point of attack defense that that'll allow trey to step in and, and earn minutes right away uh guarding guarding opposing backup point guards yeah i think that my biggest thing one, his fieriness, his defense, his competitiveness, everything like that. That's what NBA jams are going to want to see because he wants to win and he's going to do whatever it takes to win. My biggest strength with him was how smart he is. He is careful with the ball. He doesn't turn it over, just like Tyus. Very, very low, assist, or very, very high assist-to-turnover ratio. And I think he's just such a good um, player taking care of the ball he's a game manager that's my play type for him I think he's more of a game manager and like you said his point of attack defending is just really good he's so smart um especially in the pick and roll as a point of attack defender and then he also gets over screens really well he makes plays defensively he averaged almost two steals a game both as a freshman and as a sophomore and then I think as a team defender too not even just as a point of attack defender I think he's really solid And like you were saying, with his ability to switch his hips and everything like that, I think that that's something that a lot of young players don't have, and that's going to benefit him when he gets to the next level. He's not the greatest athlete vertically, but laterally, I think his athleticism is really good, especially for someone that's 19, 20 years old, whatever he is. So I think that's a good strength of his as well. What other strengths do you see with him besides just the, the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, and just building off of that too, uh, he's got really good hands, and especially if you're not going to be quite as quite as quick moving side to side, you've got to have really good hands and know when to be a little bit more aggressive and, and try and make plays on the ball. And, and Trey was exceptional at doing that this past year. Uh, but but other otherwise, you know, so, some things that that I noticed that that Trey took a huge step forward in this year was just his catch and shoot jumpers. You know, he didn't have a ton of them. Uh, but I was really impressed with what I saw. I, I don't, I, you know, you said he shot 26% last year, uh, 26% last year from deep. Uh, yeah. And this past year, you know, he he ended up in the 82nd percentile on catch and shoot on 50 on 50 uh, catch and shoot jumpers. And when those were unguarded, he was in the 95th percentile. And the unguarded jumpers accounted for accounted for 62% of, of the jump shots that he took. And that's something that's really encouraging to me uh, as someone just watching Trey in high school and obviously knowing that he can knock down threes and knock down huge shots. He did it time and time again this year for, for Duke and, and obviously didn't really get a chance to do it as much last year with with having, you know, Cam Reddish and RJ and, and Zion around. Right. Last year's team was super um, but, stacked, so he got overshadowed just a little bit. I mean, he still played well, but I think now he had more of a scoring load his sophomore year versus his freshman year. Right. But shooting, uh, he shot 77.4 effective field goal percentage. And, and for those of you out there that don't know what that is, essentially it's accounting for efficiency by weighting a three-pointer – um, worth one and a half times what a what a two point jump shot is, and so three does pointers it obviously carry in free throws as well, or is that it not? does? Yep. Okay. Yep, it does. But That's but in I this thought. con in this context, it doesn't just because it's catch and shoot jumpers. Yeah. Um. So it's just it's just twos and threes, and he and he shot seventy seven point four effective field goal percentage That's there. Really and if good. you and if you just and if you just want a regular field goal percentage, fifty one point six on on unguarded catch and shoot attempts again, really uh, good. which was, which, which was, which was really great. 
Um, so I, I really hope for Trey's sake that, you know, he can, he can continue that into the next level just because I I've seen that he can do it at, at the, at the, you know, in person and in high school and, and also in the big time at Duke. So, uh, you know, I just, I hope for his sake that, that he's able to, he's able to continue that. Yeah. And he, he plays similar to Tyus. He's a little bit bigger than Tyus is even. And Tyus is, uh, you know, a size is a downfall of his people say, but my thing, one weakness I found in Trey's game, looking at a lot of his games throughout the year, and then also reading up other people's scouting reports about him, people that are a lot smarter than me, and the constant thing was his vision. He's a good passer, and he, I mean, he averages 6.4 assists, but his vision isn't like top notch. I think it's probably average. His passing is good, but he's not finding those like little, I mean, he's not John Stockton even Lonzo Ball type of passer. He's just like an average passer, which I think is okay, considering how good he is at taking care of the ball with those passes. Maybe maybe that's the thing. Maybe some of those other guys threw more turnovers because they were taking riskier passes because they saw something. So that might be that. I don't know how big of a big deal that weakness is, but that is something that I saw. And then his, his athleticism. He's an athletic kid. I mean, everybody that's going to make it to the NBA besides like Nikola Jokic and Boban are like athletic people, but he doesn't pop off the charts with his athleticism, especially vertically going to the rim and things like that. So you, have you seen any weaknesses from watching? I know you watched a lot of Trey Young or Trey Young, Trey Jones in high school and college. What do you think a weakness of his game would be? Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to see Trey play uh, this year when they were at Boston College, uh, and Trey absolutely took over that game, and 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 for the most part, kind of calmed the concern that I had noticed this year. And so my the big concern that I had noticed this year was that his numbers finishing at the rim were really subpar for yeah. for a guy who is extremely coordinated and. And, sh- and showed flashes of being really an excellent finisher during his time at Apple Valley. Um, and, and obviously it's a lot different playing in college and playing high major division one and, and, and arguably the best conference in America yeah. in, in the ACC, just because you have so many great big defenders that that can contest shots in a variety of ways and, and don't give up space with their bodies when they're jumping straight up. So, so that's something that, that I really would hope that Trey can improve upon um, next year. And, and it's gonna, only going to get tougher just because the, the types of defenders you're seeing are, are way bigger. And and around the basket, he shot 42.6% on non-post-ups on 68 shots. And so that put him in the 12th percentile uh, in the country, which was which was really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, he had, to, he had to shoulder a huge load too. And having a guy like Vernon Carey who – doesn't really do anything away from the rim on the floor with him most of the time made it tougher for him because a lot of times he saw two and three defenders at the rim. But again, you go look, you go turn on the the Boston College game tape, go look at the second half and some of the crazy finishes that Trey was able to have. Uh, just just goes to show that when he needs to score and he needs a bucket and his team needs him, he always shows up. Yeah. And that's that's something that I've I've loved watching with Trey. And the other thing too is. You know, I just spent some time praising Trey and his catch and shoot jumpers, but um, so like I said, when he was unguarded, 95th percentile, but when he was guarded, he drops to the 12th percentile. He really struggles to shoot when he's got defenders in his jock, and that's something you're going to see a lot more at the NBA, especially in games that matter more. And so I, I think that just because he he improved so much from year one to year two with his jumper, that he'll be able to continually improve that and, and we saw Tyus improve it as well um, coming from Duke to the NBA so so hopefully he can he can continue to improve that and, and just get more comfortable with with guys right in his face on his jumpers and so if, if he's able to improve finishing at the rim and, and shooting with with a little bit more pressure around him and guys in his face I think that I think that he'll have a, a great opportunity to really expand his offensive game and, and just become a you know a more versatile and and useful player at the next level. Yeah, my hope with him is he finds a team that takes him who needs a backup point guard or where he can challenge for the backup point guards. But I don't want him going somewhere where their backup point guard role has already failed. I don't want him in Brooklyn where he would be behind Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie. 
I would want him somewhere like the Wolves. The Wolves don't have a solidified backup point guard. All of us love Jordan McLaughlin, but he. I wouldn't say that there's no way there's a point guard that can't come in and challenge him for the backup role. I mean, he's not even under contract for next year. So I think getting him to a team that doesn't have a solid backup point guard and then he really gets an opportunity to showcase himself and not just spend three years in the G League and then he's gone. Yeah, I think I think Trey, <laughs> funny enough, I think Brooklyn is one of the better landing spots for Trey. Uh, just because I believe Dinwiddie is a free agent after this upcoming season. Yeah, that is true. Because he tried to... He tried, he to, tried sell to do his the, the Bitcoin. Yeah, that was funny. I I respect. It. He didn't. We, he's a funny guy. Yeah, he um, but I think that having an opportunity to learn behind two guards like that, that often play on the floor at the same time, so he'd still probably be able to get some clock, would be important. Would be important too. Um, and and the other thing with with Trey, another landing spot that that I think, uh, is, is the Lakers. You know, I don't That's think what the I Lakers. Saw a lot too. I think I, I don't. Like that I don't fit. think the. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think the Lakers are married to, to Rajon Rondo whatsoever. Uh, and the other thing too, I think LeBron would really appreciate and respect a guy like Trey Jones, who has played really well in some huge moments and and, ha- and is isn't shy of playing with, with really elite talent going all the way back to high school, uh, and then also being on the AAU circuit uh, with guys like Gary Trent and Brad Davison and and Daniel Oturu and, and Gabe Kalsher and, and people like that. So he's always been around and been playing against top-tier talent. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, he, he worked out all the time with, with Tyus and, and different NBA guys with the Wolves. Uh, so I, I don't think that's a situation that would phase Trey whatsoever, and I think it would be one where he would be able to see a lot of minutes right away. Um, so so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to kind of seeing where Trey lands, and I agree with you that I think – where he lands and the, the fit that he has will will determine a lot for what we see out of Trey kind of in the early part of his career um, and, and really could affect how long his career ends up being too just because I think when you get a guy who's a fringe first rounder, second round guy, uh, fit really does end up mattering. And there's guys who probably would have stuck if they had a better fit yeah, or potentially, you know, kind of busted or, or fell out of the league because they had a poor fit. So, uh, so I hope that I hope that, that that works out for Trey. But but a kid like him and, and a kid with, with as high a character as, as Trey has, I really think that he's going to find success wherever he goes. Yeah. You don't, you're not the starting point guard on a Mike Krzyzewski team and not get a good chance in the NBA. I mean, obviously he's a good player, and I think he will land on his feet in the NBA somewhere. Are you sold on him being for sure a first-round pick, or could you see him falling you know, mid second round. So I'm not sold on trade being a first round pick. Uh, but, but I, I, I wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if, if he does end up getting drafted in the first round, just because I think when you, when you have a kid that, that's coming from a place like Duke and you have a coach like coach K who has nothing but glowing things to say about Trey Jones. Uh, I, I don't think you could find coach K saying one bad thing about Trey Jones over his two years at Duke. And even dating back to his senior year of high school, but I, so I think that 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 does matter a lot, just because I think a lot of the NBA is relationship based and, and relationship driven, even with you know with GMs making decisions. So so I I, I ultimately think Trail end up being a first round pick just because of the pedigree and the school that he's coming from. Yeah. But I think that if he's there early second round and the Wolves haven't drafted another point guard, I think. I would be totally fine with with the Wolves at pick drafting, 33 or whatever we end up getting. Yeah. For sure. And and I wouldn't be surprised if the Wolves end up having another pick later on from from making a move either with 16 or, or the first pick that we have. So yeah. So I'd keep an eye on that just because I think you could get a guy better than a Jacob Evans or Omari Spellman or um you know or a, or a late round guy like that. Yeah. You could probably flip one of those for a late second round pick and, and take a bet on a guy and and, mm-hmm. and who knows maybe maybe trey is a guy like that that it'll happen but but with a draft that you know obviously is as wide open as this one i think it's going to be it's kind of tougher to nail down value on a guy like trey jones just because everybody's kind of all over the place with him it's tough to nail down value on everybody and what i've been saying since you know everything has happened and the nba got suspended you know march madness was just about to start we were in the middle of the big 10 tournament 
Gophers were looking good and won a game. And then everything shut down. So then, I mean, the, March Madness is a time where people grow their draft style. We saw with Tyus. Tyus played well his whole freshman year. He got to March Madness, and then Stones Jones came along, won the whole thing, you know, Final Four run, most valuable player, most outstanding player in the Final Four, and that probably raised his draft stock a little bit. Oh, unquestionably. I think that Trey Jones probably would have had a similar performance if they had gotten to play in in the tournament, so I think his draft stock could have jumped up a little bit, and we could see other people falling, other people jumping. I mean, March Madness is a time for draft stocks so you know recency bias is always a thing when people are thinking so i think trey jones definitely could have improved his draft stock that way and probably solidified himself as a first round pick but i do think he i think the latest he goes is probably like 45 i don't see him getting into the second half of the second round but if he is i don't know i could see the timberwolves i would like this timberwolves to maybe trade jacob evans or something and try and snag a second round pick and bring him in because we we could use a, another good backup point guard. Yeah, I agree, and especially one that, that is a little bit more kind of juice on the defensive end. Yeah. And that's not to take anything away from J-Mac. I think J-Mac out or exceeded any expectations that any of us had for him, especially on defense this year. But but I think you're going to see more of D'Lo and J-Mac playing together, together. on the floor yeah. next year because um, that was one of the better lineup combination duos uh, that the Wolves had the – after the trade deadline. So, yep. so I'd look for that. And I think that, it, I think the wolves are really going to need a third point guard on the roster next year, not just to kind of be on roster and name only, but to be on the roster to, to play anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes a night. If they, if they want to roll out D low and, and J Mac together. Right. Cause D low is really the only true point guard on a real NBA contract. J Mac was still on the two way. And I think people, tend to forget that he was playing on two-way because he was playing in almost every game. So, yeah, I think we definitely need to have another point guard, whether we draft in the first round with either of our picks, we trade for someone, or we sign someone in free agency. Like, you know, like not Shabazz Napier per se, but like that type of player, like that caliber of player in free agency somehow. But, and we could maybe draft someone like Trey Jones or the next guy we're talking about somewhere in the draft too. So my big thing with Trey, if his shot... Is consistent and his athleticism matches up with the NBA level. I think he's gonna find a solid role and be fine. That's my end goal with Trey. Yeah, I just think he's got way too good of a head on his shoulders and, and way too many foundational skills uh, to not to not be able to stick in the NBA. And and I think you see it with with Tyus. You know, Tyus has really found a niche in in Memphis and really thrived playing with that crew and, and they really enjoyed having him. And, and the fact that Trey's a better defender really helps him. Cause I think it's obviously easier to develop offensive skills than it is to develop defensive skills. Yeah. And the fact that Trey's got such a high basketball IQ on both ends of the floor, but especially defense, I think will really allow him to, to grow more as a player offensively. And, and probably because of that has a higher ceiling than Tyus, but, also probably has a little bit of a lower floor just yeah. because I think Tyus had a better jump shot than, than Trey did coming out. And Tyus is obviously a, an incredibly gifted passer and finisher around the rim. So, so they're two very different players, but because they're coming from the same place and, and they're just such both steady Eddie guys and, and both guys with tremendous character, I think that Trey will really, really find, find a good role for, for himself somewhere and, and make it work. Yeah, for sure. All right, so I think that's all we got on Trey. Um, before we get into Ty, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. We're going to talk about some Timberwolves trivia from the last season. I'm going to see if you can remember. It's been so long since we've had some Timberwolves games. <laughs> First one, I want you to name the starting five for game one. Do you remember who started that game against Brooklyn? Starting five, game one against Brooklyn. I would say it was Jeff Teague, uh, Jake Lehman was out there, Kogi was out there, and then we had Cat, and then at the four, oh boy, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. Actually, I think Culver started as well, so I think that they rolled with they roll with Lehman at the four, so the starting five was Teague, 
Culver, Layman, or Teague, Culver, Akogi, Layman, and Cat. You got two right. The two starting right. lineup was Jeff Teague, Andrew Wiggins. Oh, Wiggs. I forgot about Wiggs. How Travion could I forget about Graham, Wiggs? Oh, Big T. Robert Covington and Carl Anthony Towns. Wow. I'm yeah. <laughs> it's been struggling. a long season. It's been a, it's been a long time, man. I mean, Trevion Graham and Teague have been off the team for a while. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot Rocco and Wiggs. Yeah, it's it's been a weird season. There's been so much roster. We are not used to this much roster turnover. And I'm just so used to everybody being injured, too. Like, yep. It's just so out of sight, out of mind. Yep. And I think most people were surprised that Travion Graham was starting because he started starting a couple games left in preseason and it yeah. just seemed weird. And we're like, oh, they're just trying it out. And then they got to the season and it happened for, I don't know, maybe eight, ten games. Could be, I don't even know for sure. But yeah, that was. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad I don't have to watch Travion Graham <laughs> play, play NBA basketball for the Wolves right yeah, now. Me too. He doesn't really fit the mold of what we're trying to do because he can't really shoot. So they really started Travion Graham over a Kogi. Wow. Yeah. That, that hurts my heart. Hurts my heart. And over Culver, Layman. I mean, there was many better options than Graham. I think it was the defense, but a Kogi is a better defender than Graham is even. So I don't know. Second question. So we all know Culver can't shoot free throws. He shot forty six percent this season. How, what's the most free throws Jarrett Culver has made in an NBA game? Three. No, he made six, and he actually did it twice. Once January 18th versus Toronto, and once How many attempts? November 25th against Atlanta. Both times he was six for nine, so he shot 66%. Okay. So it's still a bad free throw percentage, but much better than what he... I mean, his season average was 46%, so... Yeah, and he I shot like seventy five at Texas Tech. So I just I, that's one that I just don't get. It's got to be a hundred percent a mental thing. Yeah, with, with him. Yeah, and I was surprised to see it was six because I was guessing it was three or maybe four. Okay, and what do you think the most threes that Cat attempted in a game was this season? Just this season, not his career. Just this season. Fifteen. Yep, he attempted 15, and he made seven of them against Utah when we went to Utah and won that game. What do yeah, you think he had a couple Ru- of crazy step backs yeah. in that game. That game because Rudy wasn't watch. Rudy wasn't guarding him out there. Yeah, he he destroyed Rudy Gobert <laughs> yeah. in that game. I remember that was a lot of fun. I yeah. think that was that was the, the first of a back to back. And then we came with... and we came back home, and then we lost to Utah. Yeah, at home. I remember that. Yep. So, the least that cat has attempted in the game. How many do you think that is? Five. Four. It was only four. Yeah. And that was only once. Otherwise, it was five. So, Cat, is, yeah. he shoots a lot for being seven foot. I mean, he's a good shooter, too. So I love how I get that. I love how I get that and don't get the starting five. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't think you, I would. You better drag me. You better drag me for the whole next basketball season for that. <laughs> that was bad. I was just surprised you forgot Wiggins. Like, I could see the layman thing. Roko because yeah. Roko ha- I mean Wiggins it's was like, here for years. Yeah, and... it's just it's, that's where my brain's at right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't <sighs> think I would have gotten it either. I don't think I would have I forget Tre- Trevion Graham was on the team, so I should have gotten four out of those though. That was bad. I'm All not Alright. Well now we'll move on to Ty. Tyrell Terry, Stanford. Played one season at Stanford, and as a freshman he did average like fourteen and a half points. 3.2 assists, four and a half rebounds, 1.4 steals, and then a great 40.8% from three. And his play type seems to be kind of like a dynamic, dynamic shooter. And I don't know what else he really does exceedingly well, but he's just like a solid overall, overall all-around player. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about what you, how well you know Ty and what you know about his game. Yeah, so so Ty, uh, Ty went to De La Salle with me, um, and and so Ty was class of 18. class of 2019. So, and I was twenty seventeen. So my senior year, uh, I was a manager for our high school team, um, and we, and so and so, uh, Ty was a starting point guard, obviously, and so got got to know Ty pretty well. Um, through that and, and he was good buddies with a lot of a lot of guys who went to my elementary school 
who I was buddies with uh, that were two years younger than me in, in his class. So, so hung out with him, you know, a, a little bit, a decent amount, um, and, and just got to know him really well through the basketball season. And really one of the one of the best kids I know. Um, you know, not not a dude who, you know, get, gets in trouble by any means. Um, you know, him and him and Trey both really stand up guys, stand up dudes, and and uh, both guys who just really balled out on the floor from from a really young age. I remember I remember first seeing Ty play in a JV game before a varsity game, uh, and he was a 5'8", probably 130-pound freshman wearing a 2X jersey that was just way too big for him, and he scored 25, yeah. just slicing and dicing, shooting threes, um, and just had everybody on the gym or in the gym going nuts before a, before a varsity game. And everybody was kind of saying, oh, wow, okay, this kid can play. Because we had heard, you know, there's this kid coming from Minnehaha Academy who can really play, but he's undersized, and he's going to be the next big thing. I didn't and, know he had gone to Minnehaha before he yeah. went to De La Salle. So he could have yep. I mean, been there with, like, Jalen Suggs. And, and funny Holmgren. enough, he, he – he played with Chet and Jalen um, for the West Side Boosters Club back when when he was the, when he was a kid, and, and he and mm-hmm. Jalen are really tight. Um, th- those two are really really close, and um, and he didn't play AAU with either of them, but but he but he's really really tight with with both of those guys. Um, and 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 the thing with Ty from a young age, he had always been really undersized, and and, and there's no doubt about it, and he still mm-hmm. probably is, but. He, he was always more skilled than everybody. And the thing that really stuck out to me was, yeah, he was a good shooter, but he was a really, really creative and crafty finisher at the rim. And so people see all the time now of... He still uh, of, has that in his game, too. I see, yeah, of Ty the making these crazy finishes around these huge trees in the Pac-12. And people are saying, oh, wow, I didn't know that this kid had this. And I'm sitting there, you know, saying, oh, this is awesome that, that we're seeing more of this. And... Uh, and so, so the best way I could would characterize Ty, like you said, a, a really dynamic, really dynamic shooter. Uh, in my opinion, the best shooter in the class, uh, just from the variety of ways that he can hit, and and uh, coming off screens, he's excellent. Really, really good spot up shooter. Has NBA range, effortless flick of the wrist uh, on the three point shot. So it's like the best shot I've seen in this draft. I mean, the mechanics are just beautiful. Effortless, fluid. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing too is, I think guys really started to come out and step out and, and contest. And he had no problem attacking closeouts mm-hmm. and and you know crashing and passing and and finishing at the rim. So th- it all, it all starts with the shooting though. Yeah. Um, and and he's really able to to create and make plays for himself and others off of that too. And I think he's a really underrated passer as well. I have that written um, down. Yep. You go, you go, you go. Watch that Oregon State game, the second half of that Oregon State game, where he got no type of help from his teammates, mm-hmm. and put the team on his back, and almost single-handedly won them that game in Corvallis. And uh, and he, the, some of the passes that he made in that game were unreal. If if you wanna if you wanna go see what he's capable of passing, I, I would say go watch that game. But um, but yeah, really really talented kid that. Uh, that really carried a huge load for Stanford this year, and and I couldn't be happier for him, um, you know, as a friend and a fan, uh, and, and really excited to see to see where he ends up next year. I think you mentioned his passing, and I have that written down. He's underrated as a passer, but not even just as a passer, as a decision maker when he's passing. He's got solid vision. I think he's got a little bit better vision than Trey does. Even he's not he's not quite as careful with the ball as Trey. But not many people are. But I think once one big strength I saw in his passing was his passing in transition to other players on his team. He was just a really solid transition point guard to have, and I think that's a really valuable skill, especially when he's under. He's not going to be able to attack the rim quite as much at the NBA level because he's going to have even bigger people defending. So to be able to get those transition looks to somebody else who is a little bit bigger better size for the league i think that's important so i think that's something that is he's got going for him yeah and i think if he would have played with better teammates like i hate to i hate to say that just because i'm not trying to knock anybody but he was really a guy who i think his draft stock would be a lot higher if he played in more national tv games and and had teammates to kind of help make him look a little bit better 
because there were a lot of times he just made crazy good passes and decisions that just didn't lead to finishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think kind of takes away from some of those plays being on highlight reels, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that he's a guy who I, I think is really going to excite a lot of people next year and surprise a lot of people with with what he can do playing with really talented and skilled guys around him. Yeah, his he's kind of a polarizing player because you look at all the national media, you look at where they have him on their boards, and and he was a second round pick, especially a few months ago for most people, and then Kevin O'Connor came along, and I think he had him like ninth on one of his first big boards or his mock draft yep it was eight and i had always i thought highly of him i mean maybe it was a little bit of bias but i i've always thought highly of ty and then um i saw kevin did that and i was like okay now my now i have someone else backing up what i think he's not just some shooter which i think a lot of people just they see the shooting and they think he's just a shooter we can get shooters but i think he's a lot more than that he's He's even a good rebounder for a six foot, six foot one guy. He's four and a half rebounds a game as a freshman. That I mean, he is more than just a shooter. He has a and lot I, of skills. And I think what really helped him out was he played on a really, really small team his senior year of high school. Uh, Jameson Battle, who is a guy who uh, is six seven, six eight, left-handed small forward wing that now is out at George Washington, who. Um, who also set the program record for most threes, uh, most threes in a season in his freshman year at GW. Shout out JMO. Um, so he was the only, he was the biggest other guy on there. And Jalen Travis uh, was another guy who was probably six six at the time. And, and and so Ty really had to had to rebound a ton. And and what he was asked to do was he was asked to do a lot of grab and go, uh, where you know he'd he'd get the he'd he'd corral a rebound and then push the pace and try and create transition opportunities because the team was small but they were really quick and liked to get out and run. And I think that served him really well because he did the same thing in Stanford. You know, they created, um, you know, they had 120 different possessions uh, on the fast break, which is awesome. Um, and and he, he was in the 70, 71st percentile uh, NCAA wide in, in transition uh, points per possession, uh, creating for himself and others. So so I think that, that that's a really interesting observation that you had because um, it was just something fun that, you know, that I got to see in high school and, and, and was fun to see it translate to Stanford. For sure, yeah. I think that he he's so much, like I keep saying, he's so much more than just a shooter, and I think that people don't really see that. I think his defense is actually better than you would assume it would be. I mean, he's a small player, but he's very fundamentally sound, especially as a team defender, and he has quick feet. Kind of what you're saying with Trey, he can turn his hips pretty good. He's got quick feet. Sometimes he gets a little ahead of himself, and... People blow by him, but that happens to everybody too. But I think that his defense is solid enough to where it's not going to be like a huge liability. And he can still get, he's young. He's probably 19 years old, I'm guessing, as a freshman. And he's he's still got a ways to get better. I think he's going to be a really solid player. And I think, I think it'd be kind, if he lasts to like, 15 I think I would be really surprised because I think some of those NBA people are going to realize how good of player he is yeah see a couple a couple things I think that well one thing I I would be surprised if you if he got drafted in the, in the top 15 picks because you saw ESPN didn't have Ty mocked in the first I don't even think they still do have him mocked in the first round right. they didn't have even have him on a mock draft three weeks ago I think and that that I think has to do with the fact that you know, it's a little bit of a, a relationship thing. You got mm-hmm. guys at ESPN that are that are getting information from Stanford coaches, probably saying, you know, hey, uh, you know, Ty's coming back, and sorry, mm-hmm. Ty wasn't coming back. Yeah. Um, and and I think that affected some of his mock status, and I think that's why KOC was was awesome to get out in front of it. And and I think that when you when you talk about Ty's defense. He he graded okay. I think he overall 57th percentile, yeah. so not totally a negative defender. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, he was susceptible to a blow by. And I think sometimes he he doesn't close out. Uh, he doesn't close out perfectly. And I think that for someone who uh, probably isn't as big, I think that's going to be really important to make sure that you're not 
letting guys blow by you and with, I think, with bad closeouts. But, I think he but, would, his closeouts more was he would end up on his heels and then... You, I mean, your heels and your toes is two totally different things. If you, if anybody's ever played basketball, you know that if you get caught, you know, on your heels, you're not going anywhere because it's so hard to get turned. So I think sometimes that's why he would get blown by. But you can coach that as well. So I think that he, like, I'm not raving about his defense, but I, he's a solid defender. I think he'll be an average defender. Yeah, and I think the other thing that you see too is that guys who have incredible basketball IQ and awareness on the offensive end tend to be more than competent guys on defense. Yeah. And Ty absolutely has it. He's got incredible floor awareness and vision. And, and I think he, he's a pretty good team defender in terms of he knows where he's supposed to be. And he played for a high school coach and Dave Thorson at De La Salle who preached, preached, preached communication and, and off ball placement and not being too far up the line and, and always knowing where, where your guy is, where the basket mm-hmm. is, where the guy who's one guy away from you is and where the ball handler is. And 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 Ty really, really did a good job of, of responding to to kind of Thor getting into him a little bit his sophomore year uh, and, and did a much better job of that his final two years. Um, and something that, that I saw him, you know, do a pretty good job of this past year at Stanford. And, and you know, I think that because of that, like you said, uh, I, I I don't see him being a liability on defense also because, you know, he's going to get into an NBA, excuse me, strength and conditioning program right. and and really be able to get after it and eat a, and eat a whole lot more. Um, and, and he did so much growing. Like I said, he's probably like six, one and a half, six, two with shoes on now. Um, but his freshman year, he's probably five, seven or five, eight. So, um, you know, he, he's still young. Like he said, he's 19. He's got plenty of time to, to grow into his body more. Um, and it's tough. You don't really see guys that are six, one or six, two really with NBA ready bodies very often. Yep. So that, that's why I think that too many people are harping on that and, and seeing that as a negative without looking at the other really, really eye catching skills that he has. Yeah. So if he was say six, four, six, five. Top ten, top fifteen selection every mock. Top ten lock. Yep. Yeah, you'd see Devin Vassell. Well, then also his defense would be better if he was a bit bigger and longer. I mean, right. So I mean, Devin Vassell or Vassell, however you say it, he's looking like a top ten lock now. Good shooter, and that's basically all he needed. And I think if Ty was a little bit bigger, that's how everybody would view him. But to me, I don't think it matters. You look at a team like. Philadelphia that needs shooting I mean we we talked about this a little bit before like that's a good landing spot for him they need shooting they could take him because he will he probably will last to their pick because they'll probably have a mid-20s pick and like you said you don't think he'll go top 15 I would like to see him because I think he is top 15 player but yeah me too absolutely but yeah definitely Philly could take a not not take a chance. I mean, you don't need to take a chance. I think he's a solid player. So Philly drafts him. He plays a little bit, and I think he could find a good role there or another team that needs shooting. So many teams yeah. need it. I, yeah, I think if you asked me to put all my money on, on one team drafting him, I would I would choose Philadelphia. Um, and I think, too, that's just because, you know, the only little backup point guard they have, they had Raul Nito and, and Shake Milton. Mm-hmm. And t- ties a big... Burks now, I guess, who is like who, kind who's of a, a combo a two. Guard. I think, yeah. yeah. He's more of a two. Yeah, and I think he was asked to do a little bit more ball handling in Golden State with, you know, having to deal with Kai Bowman on a two-way deal. Shout out Boston College. Um, and, and really only having, you know, a, a cycle of you know, of other G league guys and, and 10 day guys. But, um, but yeah, th- I mean, those are the two guys that Philly has. And I think the tie would be an immediate upgrade over both of those guys, just because he does a great job setting other guys up and, and making sure that other guys get the ball in their spots. Uh, and, and the other thing too, the other two teams that I would keep an eye on, I'd keep an eye on Oklahoma city because Dennis Schroeder's in an ex- last year of an expiring deal. And, and obviously they're going to want to play SGA and CP together. Yeah. And who knows? CP could get traded um, if if they're able to get off that contract. Um, who knows? I think that Oklahoma City is another team that, that I know uh, has been in contact. And, and I would watch out for the Celtics, too. Um, and, and the reason being, I think the Celtics have three picks, the back half of the, back half of the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Carson Edwards really, really struggled last year as, as a rookie. And they also have Javante Smart, 
uh, out of LSU who, who played up in Maine too with Carson Edwards and, and Taco Fall. And, and, you know, I don't know how married to, to those guys they are behind Brad Wanamaker. So yeah. uh, just because Brad Wanamaker, I, I think, was – uh, probably a, a bottom 10, 15 backup point guard in the NBA. And, and Brad, he's not young. I mean, he is, I think, almost 30 years old, too. So Yeah, because he played he overseas. Because he, right. he was a guest on, um, you know, Trevor Mbakwe has a podcast, too, on our network, and he was just on last week. So, yeah, but, yeah, Brad is an older, I don't know, is he a rookie? Was this his first year in the league? I think it was his second or third year. Yeah. Um, because I want to say he was like a 27 or 28 year old rookie, but yeah. yeah, I just think that a guy like Brad Stevens is such a smart tactician on offense and, and Ty was really, really good coming off screens, you know, this year coming off screens, 95th percentile, uh, in college basketball, just because he's so good at getting his shoulders turned and having that quick release. And then, you know, another catch and shoot opportunities, Ty was 99th percentile on 60 field goal attempts and 97th percentile unguarded 93rd percentile guarded. And so, I think that, that Brad Stevens would love to be able to get a guy like that, that he can move off the ball and, and play, you know, with Kemba or trust to have a guy that is as smart as Ty and as gifted of a passer as Ty to be able to run the show uh, as, as a backup point guard. I think that that would be a really good marriage. And I'm definitely not just saying that because I'd love to be able to go see him play next year while I'm out in Boston. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, obviously that's, that's kind of who I'm rooting for him to go, to fall to, but, um, but yeah, I would, I would definitely keep an eye on, on Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Utah, Boston, and Oklahoma city. Yeah. And how are you feeling about is, uh, you know, the possibility of the wolves taking and maybe not like with our picks we have, but just like his fit overall, depending where you get him at. What do you think? Yeah, so I think it's kind of tough. Like, I, I personally don't think the Wolves are going to take him. I don't um, either, but I think it's intriguing to look at it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think and it's just unfortunate because I think, you know, 16, I think the Wolves might, depending on where their first pick falls, they might want to be looking at a guy a four or like, a small ball five. Yeah, like Patrick but, Williams or someone to play even four for us, depending who we take. With right and so whatever it is. but hypo, like hypothetically if trey were to, or, or excuse me if ty were to get drafted by the wolves or, or were to, you know land on the team i think he would immediately come in and help the second unit because if you have a second unit of guys that's going to include you know potentially culver uh potentially malik beasley depending on what yeah, happens Kobe. yeah yeah depending on what happens so you have culver you know hope he shoots like he did the last 14 games of the year but you mm-hmm. know that's no guarantee so you could be out there playing with guys like that and then james johnson and nas reed and those are all guys who really struggle to create their own offense mm-hmm. and ty is such a gifted floor general in the sense that he he he's not the best at creating space for himself He's really good at manipulating screens, mm-hmm. and a guy like Nas, who has a huge body, and same with James Johnson, who's a great screener, being able to throw him out there and set up screens the right way and manipulate ball screens and, and be able to throw cross-court lasers, no looks, uh, really, really, really gifted pocket passer and has had a couple of really nice, crazy wraparound passes out of the pick and roll to, to guys that are diving to the rim or, or to the opposite corner. Uh, all those guys, Kogi and, and Kogi and Culver especially, would would really benefit from that. And I think too, you could you could play Ty and D'Lo together too, That's just because they're say. both they're both really really crazy gifted shooters that are that are both great at, at setting up off ball screens as well mm-hmm. when they come off screens and and guys that are are really good at, at at shooting with guys right in their face and getting off quick jump shots without uh, without seeing too much of a of an effect uh, on their shot. So, so those are kind of the two ways that I'd see him fitting in right away. Uh, and, and I think he would play a significant amount of minutes right away just because so he, he's played in, he's played, you know, plenty of transition ball where he's more than comfortable grabbing and go. And, and he's always just so calm, cool and collected too. I don't think that, that playing at a fast pace would phase him too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just again, you need to have good vision if you're going to if you're going to play a transition up tempo game like like the Timberwolves have and, and guys like Jay Mack and D'Lo uh, also both guys who have great vision. So Ty would Ty would fit in with that with it with that really, really well. And, uh, shooting, and I mean, we the Timberwolves are just they're launching threes at a rate that like only Houston is doing. And right. And he would have a green light 
right yeah. away. Uh, just because coming out of college as a forty percent three point shooter, I would expect him to shoot, you know, at least thirty six percent as a rookie. Maybe not I wouldn't a ton be. Of attempts, I, but... I wouldn't be surprised if he eclipses forty. And the yeah, reason I... being is because you go look at games. You go look at the game where they played Washington at Maples Pavilion and, and Palo Alto. Uh, he had two absolute bombs that were just mm-hmm. big time shots that you know really won them the game, and he brought that he brought them back that game. You know, I was watching that game live, and it looked like every bit that Washington was going to come, and then Ty just has he had a really quiet first half, but then the second half just catches fire and and his bombs away. So I, I don't I I wouldn't be surprised if he if he shoots forty percent um, as a rookie, but like you said, yeah, I would I would expect a number closer to thirty six or thirty eight percent, kind of right I, in that yeah, range. I'm I'm right there with you. I don't I could see it being eclipsing forty percent. He's not going to be taking six threes a game so right, you know he's 100%. gonna be taking the the smart ones the good ones so i think he could do that and i mean that's his best skill but i just want people to know that's not his only skill a lot of people correct think that's his only skill and it's it's just not yeah and, and just for and kind of going off that um so like i said i said that trey jones was around the basket um not the best he was 12th percentile on 68 shots and to compare, tie tie around the basket on 52 shots was 79th percentile, and he shot 61.5%, which is really, really good for yeah. a guy that's Ty's size. So, so those are a couple things in that size, right? Trey and Ty are, Trey's probably a yep. little bit bigger, but they're a bear, they're He's probably a little bit bulkier, but yeah. Uh, he's yeah. I don't think that the size there is any different. They're both mm-hmm. probably listed at 6'2". Trey might be listed at 6'3", six six three. but. Um, but yeah, they're. I mean, I don't really. I don't think really the size is, is yeah. much different, or Trey's gonna have much more of an advantage as it relates to size. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like you said, I, I'm glad that I'm glad to have an opportunity to, to hopefully enlighten people that you know he's a great shooter, but but there's other skills that he has um, that that can really help a team early on. Yeah, he is definitely a player that some team is gonna be very happy with because. Like you said, falling out of the top 15 when he might just be a top 10 talent is some teams going to be really happy when they snag him in the 20s. And yeah, I think Ty's going to be a solid player. I would I would assume he has a better career than Trey, but only time will tell, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Both both guys that, that I would absolutely bet on just because they're they've both got really great heads on their shoulders and, and work incredibly hard and have and have seen a ton of growth from from freshman and eighth graders in high school or eighth grader for Trey and, and a freshman in, in high school for Ty. Um, both have come come a long, long way and and have been a ton of fun for for Minnesota basketball fans to to be able to see blossom in these potential first round first round picks. So, yeah, and Minnesota high school basketball is getting put on the map more and more each year. You just, I mean, it pretty much started with like Tyus and then like Amir, and then it kind of went into like now Trey, Ty, yeah, I, Daniel Oturu, and then Jalen Suggs, Chet Holmgren. So I think we're in good hands. I think. Yeah, I'd say you know I'd say it really started in the class of 2014 when you had, you know, we had three McDonald's All Americans. We had we had Tyus from Apple Valley, Reed Travis who went to my high school, De La Salle, and then uh, Rashad Vaughn, Rashad Vaughn yeah. who used to go to Robinsdale Cooper, mm-hmm. who had played out at Finlay Prep. Um, and then, and then 2015, like Jarvis Johnson, who went to De La Salle, committed to the U, yeah. um, Sakar Annam went to, you know, went to Marquette, JP McCura went to, went to Xavier. So there were, there were a lot of good guys. And then obviously, like you mentioned, Daniel Oturu, Jarvis Thomas and Gabe Kelsher, all guys who were, you know, three of the, three of the top, you know, five, six players in the state in the class of 2019 or 2018, excuse me, that, that, that went on to the U. I so, think they were all, I think it was like. Oturu was number two, and then it was like Gabe was three and Jarvis was four. I think they were two, three, four, and we just missed out on Trey. At they were one. two, three, four. According to Prep Hoops, Trey was Prep Hoops Minnesota North Star Hoops Report. Um, uh, shout out to Ryan James. They do they do awesome work. Yeah, he does. Um, and, and Jared Martinson. Um, yeah, Jared's Wolf, a writer. Wolf's writer who uh, who writes writes for us over at, at Prep Hoops. Um, both those guys do phenomenal work, um, and yeah, they had Trey one, oh two Ru two, Jarvis Jarvis Omersa, uh three, and uh, and Gabe Kelsher four. Yeah, so. I think that was kind of a whiff on Jarvis. He's a he's 
He kind of reminds me of like a power forward version of Josh Okoge, honestly, like the college like version of that. Just like yeah, he, such he an energizing a, guy, but like struggles to score. Yeah, he just didn't have as many, I think, really well developed skills. But yeah. um, but Crazy obviously he's a really though. really great player. Uh, we played against them, you know, my junior and senior years um, in this in the section championship game, and you know he's just a gamer. He he shows up in big moments and and um, and was a really great player for Orono. Um, heck of a football so, player too. Heck of like a tight end wide receiver type of player. Yeah, too. I he remember just, seeing that he too. Can jump he out was, of the gym. He's a crazy good athlete, mm-hmm. um, and I think you really start to see more of his potential on defense this past year at Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully he, he can really flourish with with an expanded role next season. Um, if if Liam Robbins doesn't get cleared, and then if uh, and obviously with Oturu gone, so it'll be it'll be fun to watch those guys. But yeah. But here's to hoping that uh, the coach peak and can land some more of the uh, more of the up and coming talent. If he the, somehow uh, landed but. Chet Holmgren, that would be the craziest thing. Yeah, you know Chet's dad played at the U of M, so yeah. um, so you know there's I think there's decent potential there, and, but and you know Trayton, hopefully Trayton Thompson from Alexandria, he goes to La Lumiere in um, Indiana. Yeah, he him coming in might limit, but I mean Holmgren's a better player, so I don't think he should worry too much. Yeah, about I mean it. Chet's. Chet's a unicorn and Trayton's more of a post player, but um, it'd be cool too. Like Will Shetter um, is another great player player. from Stewartville. Who's really become a a mid major, high major, now probably high major D one guy plays from Minnesota heat Um, is number two in the state in 2021. Um, And and it is another guy that I would love to see them play or see them grab. Um, so there, there's a lot of different great options. And then you have Trayvon Holloman at CDH, who's, uh, you know, who's a top probably 30 player in the country. And, mm-hmm. and Prince of League Bay, who's a top 25 player in the country. Prince is a good player, too. And he's uh, young. What from is Minnehaha he? Like? Academy. Is he just a sophomore still? Yep. Prince and, and Trey both just wrapped up their uh, their sophomore years. Yeah. So, you know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good nationally ranked players in that class. Zeke Naji's younger brother Elvis is in that class, yep. um, and Cam Heidi is another good player. Plays at YZ. Um, and then you know, I think that you know, there's a, there's going to be a lot of opportunities um, for guys to come up. I know Totino Grace has has three really really talented freshmen that are all probably top ten players in the state. Um, and and Tayson Chapman and and Tommy Humphreys um, and Lincoln Paul Bickey. So. Those are also guys that that hopefully hopefully the U can can be all over and and you know um, and kind of kind of turn the page on on Coach P not being able to get guys from Minnesota. Yeah. So he's he's actually done well transfer wise. I think he's done pretty well, but he definitely needs to land some more in state recruits. But Espe- yeah, and especially since you know Minnesota is not one of those places where guys just kind of are, are watching for the next guy to come out. It's not in New Jersey, New York, mm-hmm. where all these national outlets are all over these guys right away. Like Ty, I think Ty was a ranked outside of the top 100 going to Stanford. Um, and, and you know, was a really late-blooming guy who really just dominated the yeah. summer going into his senior year on the Adidas Gauntlet with D1 Minnesota, playing with guys like Matthew Hurt um, and Jameson Battle again. Um, and that team, that team did really well. I think they got second in, in the whole entire Adidas gauntlet. I think they might've lost to Compton magic in the, in the okay. championship, yeah. but, and that's um, Compton magic's a good team. So yeah, they know the Compton magic's an awesome team, but it's like all these guys are late blooming guys who, who coach P really should have, um, a head start on just because he's able to, to get out and see him and learn more about him before, mm-hmm almost anybody else and especially you think of guys like Dawson Garcia I was just going to mention him I I was really was a total sad late we bloomer missed guy. I thought I thought for sure he was going to go to the Me U too. I thought that was one they were going to get I thought um, so too but but his yeah. his best friend goes to Marquette so it makes sense Who is that I don't remember I remember reading a report that like he had played on like a AAU team or a summer ball team or something with someone else that was going to Marquette so Okay which yeah, makes sense. and yeah, like because Marquette also had you know had two other guys from Minnesota that were both also really late bloomers. Um, you had Theo John from Champlain yep. Park, who was in our class, and then 2017, and then Sakar Anum, who also went to De La Salle, who was who's class of 2015, um, who is a who's a starter for Marquette um, and played good minutes for them. So it's it's tough. It's been tough. Um, 
that, that they haven't really been able to break through, but, uh, but there's plenty of opportunity and, and especially hopefully them doing well in the transfer market. I think, you know, hopefully that can speak volumes and, and kind of get through to some of these guys and, in these classes coming up, you know, it's obviously really tough to, to turn down a Duke or a, or yeah. Kentucky or whatever. And I don't fault guys for leaving to go to those schools whatsoever, because I would probably do the same thing, but you know, Minnesota really has to start beating out schools like Marquette saw, or Wisconsin. Yeah. Or we have to schools like that. We Daniel Laturo chose us over Kansas, but I mean, yeah, other than that, we really need to make sure we're being just those mid, not the mid major schools, but the other, you know, the big 10 schools or not the ACC schools. Cause the blue bloods, people are going to choose the blue bloods, but right. you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose people to Marquette, Wisconsin. I mean, we lose so many kids to Wisconsin. Yeah, between Nate Brad Reavers, Davison, Davison, uh, and and now Ben Carlson, and Ben yeah. Carlson's a guy who is a class of twenty twenty guy, top five player in the state, um, who's going to Wisconsin. So, and then Joe Hedstrom, um, who was a who was a senior last year. Um, a, another top five, seven player in the state, uh, center prospect who went who chose Wisconsin over Minnesota. So, um, it's it's been tough for Gophers fans. So, sure has. Yeah, and and you know I'm looking at it now, and it's like 2020. You have two guys in the top six that are going to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and no one that no they have no in-state commits from the class of 2020 going in next year, which is tough. So. You know, hopefully, hopefully they recruit their backyard a little bit better in the years to come. But yeah, all right. So. Well, I think that was a good in-depth look at Ty and Trey. I think now people can see a little bit more what this homegrown talent could do in the NBA and how they might fit on either the Wolves or just another team around the league. But yeah, thanks, Jack, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. It was a ton of fun, and uh, and let's hope that that we have we have some Wolves basketball to talk about here. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.